0: Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the map with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas.
1: Welcome to Episode 7. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu, Live Jiu Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free Jiu Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, helping to keep them away from drugs and crime and to inspire them to pursue their goals and dreams. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, geese and tournament registrations. As a supporter, the BJJ Metal Coach donates all the profits of the t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.livejiu-jitsu.org, it's www.livejiu-jitsu.org. Now let me introduce you to today's guest, John Thomas. John is a brown belt and active BJJ competitor training at the American Top Team Connecticut. John is the founder and executive director of Tab Cancer Out, a nonprofit organization that mobilizes and empowers the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu community to raise awareness and funds for cancer-fighting organizations. In 2010, John attended the Classy Awards. While in attendance, he heard incredible stories of contributions that others were making to improve the world, and asked himself what he was doing. He did not like the answer. It was at that spot he decided that he would not leave his seat without an idea. Tap Cancer Out was born. Although he had no idea how he was going to work, he was determined to make a difference. Initially, John started selling t-shirts at an MMA expo, and after selling just two t-shirts, coupled with a $6 donation, he realized this was not going to work. While training, John was asked by his professor, Luigi Mondelli, why don't you host your own tournament? That question spawned, and Tap Cancer Out B.A.J. Open was held on April 28th, 2012. Since 2012, through charitable BJJ tournaments, and volunteer-run events, Tap Cancer Out has empowered thousands of competitors and fundraisers to raise more than a million dollars in the fight against cancer-supporting organizations, including the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, and Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. Welcome to the show, John.
2: Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Glad to be here.
1: Awesome, just tell us a little bit about how Jiu-Jitsu get into your life.
2: Uh, So I actually played volleyball throughout high school and college and sort of that was my sport. Um, But after college, it was increasingly more difficult to play competitively to get all the right number of guys together to drive a few hours Mm -hmm. to find a tournament, something like that um so eventually there's a year where i literally played volleyball one weekend the whole year so i was like man i need to find a sport where um i can still compete and do tournaments um but and still have a team, but only really depend on myself when it came to actually competing. Mm -hmm. All I needed was to sign sort of my name on the dotted line, but I still wanted that team atmosphere. I still wanted to, um, you know, meet other people and, um, and train with other people. So I had become a, a a bigger MMA fan. Um, this is back when, uh, the WEC was getting really Mm -hmm. big on versus network and Uriah Faber was doing all these crazy things. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, you know, I, I would love to train like these guys. I don't want to step into the ring or, or have any inclinations of that nature. But um, I wanted to sort of do something like that. And so I started looking and found some jujitsu schools um, back in 2008. Um, there weren't a lot here in Connecticut, only a handful and maybe two that were within driving distance from me. So I sort of randomly picked, but um, ultimately, you know, saw the fr- went to a class class sort of saw how, how it all went down and, and fell in love with it immediately and signed up right there on the spot. I said, this is this is definitely for me.
1: Now we're in 2018, so we've been training for, what, a decade, basically?
2: Yep. Yeah, it'll be 10 years this August.
1: Awesome. And how do you feel BJJ relate to life? In this 10 years of this journey, how do you feel they relate? It's
2: really interesting how much jiu-jitsu parallels life and there are a lot of lessons um that you can take away number one um no matter how good you are there's always somebody mm-hmm. who can whoop you <laughs> whoop you you know so um you, you, there, there's always somebody you can beat uh, except maybe for those first few days where you feel like a complete punching bag and, and you mm-hmm. can't do anything um but you know there's always somebody you can beat but there's always someone who can beat you and it's this never ending journey you can never win jiu-jitsu period you know Mm -hmm. like there's always somebody you can learn from you can learn from people in higher ranks lower ranks Um, there's always competitions to win there's there's always new techniques like it's just this never uh, uh, this vessel that you can never fill and so Mm -hmm. you can always learn more and I always found that you know really amazing about jiu-jitsu and I think that's true with everything you know you we can always at tap cancer out. We can always raise more money. We can always host more events. We can always find new ways to empower the jujitsu community, uh, to create change. So, um, you know, I, I always thought that was a, a really great parallel, um, in life. And, um, and it's, uh, it's also a uh, self-confidence building, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And, in um, humbling at the same time so you realize that you uh, can actually accomplish things that you never thought you could um, and learn things and be competent uh, at least at a, at a sport that you never thought you could because Jiu Jitsu is very much like learning another language yeah. when you walk in there you feel like everyone's speaking the language and you have no idea what they're saying and then eventually you're like oh I'm, I'm picking up a few things oh I can sort of speak the language um, but, but there's always um, more to learn and, and you always have to be humble as well because you could be humbled at any moment so it's this sort of yin and yang that I always thought was really great about jiu-jitsu
1: yeah it's interesting this as you mentioned in jiu-jitsu there's always someone that you know what I mean at some point is going to do better than you or you might be doing amazingly and then someone comes in and they can get the best of you and I like to mention to students that did come in when they started say like hey basically essentially you're going to have three types of partners here you're going to have the people that you just start training. All you're going to do is play defense. That's all. You know, mm-hmm. the Caesar sweep that you're learning, the armbar, yeah, they're not going to work. And someone <laughs> that already been training longer just lets you know. So you're going to play your defense. And sometimes people don't realize, man, I'm learning all these moves and nothing work. And I like to say it's like me, for example, I don't play basketball, right? If I decided to play basketball with a high school kid, I'm not going to touch the ball, period. I'm going to be <laughs> play let's play one-on-one i mean i don't have that skill i don't expect you no know, okay so would, this is how we shoot. you do this and do that and expect to be you know uh, someone uh right there so i like to say that hey you're gonna have this this people uh, some of the people that are going to control you they've been training longer they're more experienced So you're gonna play defense and then when you start getting a little more experience you're gonna have some people just start training you have more and then you'll be able to use your offense a little more mm-hmm. and of course you're gonna have the group that it about same level and you guys going to battle you know but understanding like you said there's always that room to grow there's always you know the humbling lesson in jujitsu it's incredible and can be used in so many different ways in life or in business or you know there's so many so many different ways now talking about the spark of when you decided to start Tap cancer out. I mentioned a little bit in the intro that you went to the Classy Awards. So I assume in 2010. So I assume that was kind of when you had your spark. So I'd like to expand on this idea real quick. And how was your mindset back then? As soon as I had the idea, did doubts, fears came to your mind? Excitement? How was that moment?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I don't remember the moment. I decided to join, uh, you know, start Jiu Jitsu. I don't remember the moment I fell in love with my wife. Mm -hmm. A lot of those moments in our life are very uh, hazy, uh, but I remember the exact moment I came up with the idea for Tap Cancer Out, or at least uh, sort of in the same breath, the moment I decided I was going to change my life. I was going to do something to make the world a better place because... It was painfully obvious that I was doing nothing so um, most people aren't gonna be familiar with the classy Award. so basically what it is um, is an award show for um, people who work in nonprofits for nonprofit organizations themselves mm-hmm. for charitable businesses or philanthropic businesses you know we have the um, Emmys and Grammys and Tony Awards for you know all these people um, but there nobody who the people who are actually changing the world weren't being recognized in any way so my mm-hmm. um, a friend started a company um, called Classy uh, that they, they created a, a fundraising platform for nonprofits. But they put on this amazing black tie affair for nonprofits and volunteers and people from all over the country and all over the world. It was in San Diego. I had just gone out there because I just wanted to support him and I knew it would be fun. And it's always fun to have an evening at a black tie sort of party and award show in San Diego um, with my friends. So Uh, I did. I mean, I'm based in Connecticut, so I flew out there um, and was just expecting to have some fun. And then you sit down and um, you start to hear stories um, of amazing sacrifice and people leaving very, very lucrative careers um, to build schools in Tanzania, Mm -hmm. uh, veterans finding meaning in their life by going to areas hit by natural disasters um, and using the skills that they learned in the military to help. Um, civilians there and sort of all of these people who created and, and sort of figured out ways to address the problems um, in our world and other people um, who just wanted to help and sort of joined up with causes and and left amazingly comfortable life, lives behind. And I was sort of sitting there um, very uncomfortable sort of squirming in my seat because I had just gone out there because I wanted to dress up and I wanted to hang out and have fun. <laughs> um, and you know, I felt very out of place. And then you go to the cocktail hour and people are introducing themselves and, Oh, what do you do? Um, uh, Oh, you know, I, uh, I help, uh, impoverished children in Africa. What do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I, I work in an ad agency and, uh, yeah, it's not very interesting. And so I Mm -hmm. I was very embarrassed. So when I was sitting in that seat, I was like, listen, I'm not getting out of the seat until I figure out some idea um, to change the world. And I, it was very simple. I said, on one hand, I hate cancer. I know that that's what I want to address, even if I don't know how I'm going to address it. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I love jujitsu. It was, uh, this was back in 2010. So I've been training for two years, uh, and saw how much the sport was growing and how amazingly misunderstood the sport was, how misunderstood the people within the sport was because Mm -hmm. it was really a family and, uh, the best sportsmanship I had ever seen in a, in a sport. Of course, you know, there's, um, bad eggs here and there, but really it's, you know, a lot of my friends in jujitsu have come the first time I met them was when I faced off against them at a, at a tournament. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you like trying to kill each other for five minutes. And then at the end, it's like, Oh, where do you train? Oh, you got two kids. Yeah, I got two kids too. And, and it's really amazing. And so I wanted to sort of put this community, uh, in action because, uh, you know, the tournaments were getting bigger and bigger and you see all these acai vendors and t-shirt vendors and stuff, but there was no, philanthropic presence uh-huh. and I knew it was a community ripe to create change um, and so I said I'm gonna call it tap cancer out it's gonna combine jujitsu um, and fighting cancer and sort of raising money for cancer organizations and that's it that, that, that was literally the only framework I had I didn't know what it would be but I told my friend as he was driving me to the airport the next day my friend that found a classy and he's like I love it dude I'm all in I love it let's go mm-hmm. let's do this um, and so from there, I just started brainstorming and trying to figure out ways. And yeah, I I had a lot of failures in the beginning. I, you know, just trying to figure out what this thing would be. Like, are we going to be an apparel brand? Are we just going to sort of sell clothes? It's uh, like BJJ gear and give the profits and proceeds um, to... Uh, organizations that are fighting cancer are we gonna like host events are we get like what are we gonna do and I, Mm -hmm. I for a long time I didn't know what that would be but I still sort of forged ahead I did everything I needed to do legally to turn us into a 501 C three, I had to start putting business plans together. And it was sort of a joke to, to get your 501 C three status. You have to put together these financial plans like three to five years ahead of time. And I don't even know what we were Mm going to do. And like, so like looking back at those numbers, I actually under completely undersold what we were going to do. Our actual impact was way, way bigger. Uh Um, but you know, I was like, listen, I'm just going to, I'm just going to figure this out along the way, figure it out. And so we did, we printed some t-shirts. We went to an MMA show um, and we thought, I thought I was going to like sell out of these shirts. I thought the fighters were going to be walking to the cage with our tap cancer out shirts on and stuff. Yeah. And we sold two shirts. The first person who walked into the building, he bought a shirt. And then I was like, Oh, like we're off. This is going to be great. Um, You know, our booth looked so cool and we had all these red shirts and we had the leukemia lymphoma sign and everything. And yeah, one other person, (laughs) um, bought a shirt and then, uh, two kids came by with $6 in donations. So, um, you know, it was like, okay, maybe this isn't the exact way to do it. And so that sort of forced me into thinking, uh, you know, who am I trying to reach? Is it, And like MMA community at large is the jujitsu community Mm -hmm. specifically. And, and, and I really wanted to focus on the jujitsu community specifically. So how can we do that? Well, maybe I can start going to jujitsu tournaments and selling our stuff, not just MMA shows, but jujitsu tournaments and connect with them. Um, And even that was hard, like getting a booth at a tournament, like even though we were charity, nobody wanted to give us a table for free. And so, yeah, that's when my instructor said, well, forget, like going to a tournament, and just setting up a table. Why don't you just host your own tournament? And I had never done anything like that. Um, but it was a good idea. I, I couldn't argue. That's a good mm-hmm. idea. I don't know how to do that. Um, mm-hmm. but I've been to a tournament, you know, I know what it's like to fight in a tournament. Um, I like sports, so I sort of get how it all all happens. So sure. Let's, let's figure it out. And, um, and that's what I set out to do, but that took me two years from 2010 to 2012 to even, figure out what we were going to be. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I think with a lot of people, they're afraid to start things because they can't see the finish line.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and you know, like, how am I going to get there? Or maybe the finish line just seems too far off. Like, how, like a black belt in jitsu, that's like 10 years away. I'm never going to get there. Uh, and so with tap cancer out the finish line, I could barely see three steps ahead of me. Like, I like all I wanted to do was see the next step. As long as I could see the next step, I was going to take the next step Mm -hmm. and then the next one and then the next one. And then you start sort of moving along and the fog begins to clear and sort of your route gets clearer and clearer. And so um, if you sort of wait till you can see how the whole story is going to unfold It'll, that'll never happen. And even mm-hmm. if you think you know what the story is going to be, it's going to take a left turn and then a right turn and a zigzag, and then you're going to go backwards. It's going to look nothing like what you think it will. And that's every year with tap cancer out. I think it's going to be one thing, mm-hmm. and then it's totally different. If you told me this month last year, that in a year's time I will have left my full-time job and I would start doing tap cancer out full-time and that we'd be hosting 11 events, seven of which would be on this tour around the country. Um, I would have laughed in your face just a Mm -hmm. year ago. I would have been like, no, way. I, I'm happy at my job. We have no way to take this thing on tour. We don't have a truck. We don't have a trailer. We just rent you all trucks and bring our stuff, you mm-hmm. know, three to five hours away to, to cities near Connecticut. But like, how the heck would I do that? But like, it it just, the story will continue to change and, and you just, you know, roll with the punches. And um, so starting from that spark of, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something, I had some semblance of an idea of what, would, what it would be. Um, I just took that and ran.
1: What do you have to say to people who maybe are being holding back to give back to a community or maybe even holding back on they want to make a change in their lives, but they're not, they're waiting. The main thing is they're waiting for the moment. What do you have to say to them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I... Was always the type of person that didn't want to do anything unless I had it perfectly planned out, um, unless everything w- was in the right circumstances. And even sort of the way I conducted my life has been very by the book like i'm gonna to go to high school i'm gonna to go to college um maybe get my master's degree then i'll go you know to this job to that job and then i'll get married and then after a few years i'll have uh, i'll have a boy and then i'll have okay. a girl and then we'll be done and like like this is the plan and actually my life has has worked out pretty much to that plan but mm-hmm. um you know this, this happens a lot it, you, we see it in jujitsu. you know trying to get people involved and stuff. Um, and especially with tap cancer out if i had ever waited until the stars perfectly aligned until i had this perfect business model of how we would uh, raise money and sustain a business and um, give back a significant amount of money to um, our our beneficiaries it would have never happened The, the key to why tap cancer out ever happened was because i was okay with just just knowing a very minimal amount of what mm-hmm. it would be and just starting and figuring it out and and not being afraid to fail. And, and I think people think that failure can only be big and massive and embarrassing. And that's mm-hmm. not it at all. We failed a lot in the beginning but they're just tiny failures and not even failures just detours okay that's not going to work we need to change direction okay that's not going to work we need to change direction and you see with a lot of companies just like pivoting and changing like Netflix like everybody loves Netflix now and they used to be in a completely different business 10 years ago 15 years ago um, but they you know saw how how the world is working and and they change and uh, the, the stars will never, ever align mm. to when it's the perfect time um, to start jujitsu, to when it's the perfect time to start the business, to when it's the perfect time to go up to that girl at the bar and say hello. Like uh, it's, it's never all going to work out um, perfectly or, or as you plan. Um, but you just have to um, start taking those steps. And especially, you know, with tap cancer out, um, and turning it into a full time thing. First of all, when I started Tap Cancer Out, I had no um, idea that it would ever become my full time job. For, mm-hmm. Like many, many people would ask me years and years and years uh they would say you know when are you going to make this your full time job when are you going to you know take the plunge and i would be like no way i'm never going to do this i don't want to i don't want to be doing the tournament thing every weekend i have a family you know i want to be around i i finally mm-hmm. love where i work and uh what i do and it's a very comfortable job and they take care of me and um you know i i i can't leave that um for this you know, for tap cancer out i don't even know how um we we're going to scale uh so I would, I would actively tell people that it wasn't going to happen. You know, a lot of people say like, this is what I want to do and someday I'm going to do it. I just don't know how. With type cancer out, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm never going to go full-time. I'm never going to go full-time. Uh, and then it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it got to the point where I could see us missing opportunities because I simply didn't have the time. I simply couldn't stay up any later than two or three or four in the morning or whatever. I simply couldn't take any more vacation days off to host more tournaments. Um, you know, it started to get to where I had to, you know, uh, make a move or, or get off the pot, so to speak, you know, like, um, and I didn't want to see this, um, idea, this passion, Uh, that is tap cancer out to um, be held back because of me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was always the one propelling it forward. Um, But I was, I would never be the type of person who would just quit my job on a whim to, to try out something. Not that there's even anything wrong with that. But I think a lot of people feel like if they want to follow their entrepreneurial passion, that they have to completely quit their job start from zero make no money for uh, you know however long and um you know t- try to make it work and if it doesn't work at 6 months then it's over uh-huh. i waited 8 years before i turned ta- my made tap cancer out my full time job literally it didn't become my full time job until um last thursday so so awesome. 5 days ago 4 days ago yeah so it took me a very long time even i told uh, my job that I was going to leave last November. I gave them an eight month notice. Nobody does that, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave them high and dry. And we actually worked out a way where I would just be there part time. So I'd work there three days a week and I could start getting used to the tap cancer out full time life, you know, on That's Mondays nice. and Fridays. And then I would be there from Tuesdays, Thursday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I took a pay cut to do it, of course. But, um, you know, that made it a lot easier. Um, you know, it, so it's with being an entrepreneur, it doesn't mean like quitting everything, starting yeah. from the bottom, you know, right. living in your garage or whatever and doing it like you can st- like start your passion project. It means doing the, the 10 to two, you know, the 10 PM to 2 AM thing. It means sacrificing weekends and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, but you can sort of build it up to where eventually it's not a a quantum leap from a high cliff all the way down to the bottom. Again, it can just sort of be even a parallel move. Um, And and that's pretty much what it was um, for me, but it took me a long time to get there. It took me a lot of um, late nights and not that the late nights are ever going to stop for me, but um, you know, I don't, I don't think that, as an entrepreneur, you have to give it all up just to follow um, your passion. I think you can um, sort of do uh, the main hustle and the side hustle thing. And that's what a lot of people do.
1: Yeah, there's a phrase that I like to share here from Jim Rome. If people never heard of him, just take a look on the internet or Google. Uh, Jim Rome, his uh name is R O H N, has awesome phrases. And one of them is work full time on your living, part time on your dream, and one day, with a lot of course effort and discipline you know this part-time can become the full-time and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what you did and sometimes people don't think about this option they only think about i have to let go all this here to do this now you need a that transition not always smooth but like you said it was eight years for slowly coming in doing you know doing the extra work And I have to be honest, sometimes people do not want to do the extra the part time on your on your dream, you know and say the long hours, not everyone's willing to do that. So for people who are listening you get you want to get involved with something that's gonna be extra like that to put amount of hours take all that in consideration, family time, freedom, everything. But if you keep doing that for a long period of time, you're gonna have better chances of achieving the outcome that you want nothing is guaranteed you going in with you know shooting for the best but nothing is guaranteed so during this journey what has uh, has been the biggest struggle so far since you started
2: there's a thing called the imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. Um, and i think a lot of us feel that in jujitsu even i've been a brown belt for four years and i still feel like I don't necessarily belong with a lot of these brown belts and maybe I should still be a a seven year purple belt or something. Um, So if you train Jiu Jitsu, you're very familiar with it, especially right when you get your belts, you're like, man, I'm I'm not sure I belong with these Mm -hmm. um, people, although I'm sure your professor um, would disagree. And uh, sort of in all of my day jobs, I always felt that way that, um, you know, someday someone's going to realize I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And and they're gonna be like, "Hey, wait a minute! Do you actually know what's going on here?" (laughs) Um, Sort of with Tap Cancer out, one of my biggest problems has actually been the opposite. Not that I know everything there is to know about running a nonprofit, and on the contrary, I know very little about running a nonprofit, and I'm always trying to learn from other people who have done it longer um, and better. Um, But when it becomes when it's your passion, your baby, this thing that you created, sort of from nothing from a germ of an idea into um a a big thing at least as big as tap cancer out it's very hard to relinquish um responsibility Uh, but of course if you're if it's successful there will be too much for just one person to do Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of my biggest problems has actually been sort of relinquishing some of that responsibility and letting other people in and letting other people um, take some things off of my plate that I sh- probably shouldn't be doing, uh, that mm-hmm. other people could definitely do. But I have always been focused on doing everything all the way down to the minutiae, um, things. And even like at our tournaments, I'm cleaning the blood off of the mats and things like, I uh, I get too over-involved and, and so many people are like, John, especially because being a nonprofit, like we want to help. I want to help what can I do to help? Um, mm-hmm. And it's, and it's been hard for me to like give them responsibilities and things that are, that I know how to do exactly my way. And this is the way I've always done it, you know? Um, so and I, I think it's with entrepreneurs, it's especially true because you become so passionate about what you've created and it took you so long and you spent so many nights alone doing it by yourself. And a lot of the time before anyone was even willing to help. Um, and, and, but, If you want it to grow, you need to let other people in, other people into that sort of inner circle and sort of hand over at least part of your baby and say, here, I I trust you to take care of this. Um, So I'm always trying to learn um, how to do that, especially as we grow our, our Tap Cancer Out team. I mean, I'm still the only full time employee, but we have a ton of people um, who volunteer and help um, mm-hmm. and want to help in a lot of different ways, and so um, it's a, it's taken me a while to realize that I, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I can learn a lot from these people, especially if they have it if they want to do something differently than the way I've been doing it, it's maybe it's a better way. And maybe I should listen, as -hmm. opposed to being um, persistent that my way is the right way to do it. And this is how we're going to do it. And so I try to tell myself that all the time. And I think also, I think that's a great parallel with jujitsu as well. uh, Just about learning too. Uh, I will roll with anybody I tell I have a rule that I will if somebody comes over and asks me to roll, I will never say no. I, will, I mean, unless I just got injured and I physically can't mm-hmm. roll, I'll never say no, I, especially to lower belts who I know it might have uh, taken them a little gumption to come over and ask the brown belt if they want to roll um, because you can learn something from everyone. Mm-hmm. and it just maybe in jiu-jitsu you change your approach okay if i'm rolling with this white belt um maybe i just work on my defense and i let them you know try to pass and i just sort of try to stuff their pass and and go back and maybe i'm not going to attack them as much but there's always something you can learn from someone um and so as you let people in um, you know, they can not only take some of that responsibility uh, off of you in, the, in mm-hmm. the entrepreneurial sense, but you can also learn something from them as well. And maybe they have a better way to do it than you do.
1: For sure. And I relate 100% with this for people who are listening, maybe don't know, but I've been promoting for 20 years tournaments. And uh I struggle with, especially a lot of the entrepreneurs had a little bit of the control freak, you know, issue Mm -hmm. that, you know, I got to put my hand, I got to make sure it's done well and done properly. And I've been through exactly what you said. And even with my tournaments, I've been in every single position available at my tournament. And I've done everything, you know, Mm -hmm. since my very first one in Arizona in 2001, and especially in the beginning, I think my main issue was I didn't want to ask for help, too. Like, you know, I can do it. And yep. started the same way, start to grow. I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need a few more Gustavos, you know? Yeah. And one book that actually, it's interesting how sometimes we read books and they click, you know, in different moments of, of our lives. But I think this one is the four-hour work week with, from uh, Tim Ferriss. I yep. can't remember if I listened to this, 2010 or 12, somewhere around that time but i tell you what that book that was the first time i ever stopped to think about the word delegate of course you know we all know like i don't know what a delegate is but you actually practice this you know so there is the first time that i actually put a thought to it i mean like delegate do i do that or like not very much very little i do as much as i can by myself and that basically that book helped me my process to start delegating so for people who are listening and they have their plans or they are entrepreneurs one thing it's simple you're not going to do it by yourself that's for just for you mm-hmm. you know there's no way at one point you're going to have your team you're going to have your staff you're going to have to little by little let go you know some of the things that are the control freak patterns so for if someone that is Having difficulties with this right now. Just start slowly. Like, what areas can I, you know, gotta give up a little bit right now without me freaking out? And if someone right. can do it? Is there someone that can actually do it better than I can? So I feel that delegation. It's something that I uh, underestimated for years, for so long until I stop and start looking into a more professional way, understanding that I will not be able to do. By myself, and the same thing in jujitsu. You know, yeah, you compete by yourself, but there's so much shadow jujitsu. I guess you can do it. So many, you know, uh, shrimp and you can do it. You need a partner. We need people that are going to help you to get there. Now, what is a one high performance habit that you feel that helped you professionally and in jujitsu?
2: Oh wow, I don't. I don't know if they actually um actually match up but i, I and i i kind of mentioned this before but i think the ability uh or being open um to learning from other people mm-hmm. uh you know i thought uh, espe- especially in in jiu-jitsu you know so I've trained at two different schools, um, in, in my 10 years. Um, and there was a point at, 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 my first school, um, where, you know, the, some of the higher belts had left and I was being a little, um, disgruntled because, um, I was now one of the higher belts and would show up and there was, you know, mostly white belts or whatever. And I would, um, and I sort of caught myself being, Um, having a little pity party, like, you know, what, what am I going to learn from these white belts? Mm -hmm. And, um, I, a number of times I would end up teaching the class uh, without even expecting it, but actually teaching teaches you so much about Jiu Jitsu as well. I think that's one thing that in Jiu Jitsu that everybody should do. They, you know, as they, and you can do this, you know, blue belts, you can teach kids classes and things like that. You can, at, at most belts, you can um, teach in some way. I'm not saying run your own school or, or, you know, have your own regular class, but find an opportunity to teach others. Um, because, having to think about your jujitsu and break it down and figure out, okay, what are the steps that I like to do, um, with my lasso guard? Because that's something I do a ton. Um, and sort of like, why do I do it this way? Is this the best way? Um, and being open to, to learning, uh, Mm -hmm. about it, um, in other ways. And, and entrepreneurially I'm always, trying to learn so I listening to this podcast listening to uh, Seth Godin's podcast Malcolm Gladwell's podcast I'm uh, reading I don't read a ton uh, Mm -hmm. but I do try uh, to read there's a you can learn a lot even about, about jujitsu and about um being an entrepreneur in a lot of different places you know you can learn a lot about business on the mm-hmm. jujitsu mats um and and vice versa and about you know being comfortable in uncomfortable situations which mm-hmm. definitely happens a lot um, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur because you need you have to sort of perform jobs that aren't really in your skill set and in your wheelhouse and um and also be you know, going back to letting people in, um, understanding what you're not good at, um, and finding somebody to help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like with Tap Cancer out, it, it's I'm not good at asking people for things, especially like when it comes to donations and large donations and things like that. You know, there's a whole um, there's a whole sub uh, subset of, um, running a nonprofit, which is about, um, large gifts. And, Mm -hmm. um, there are some people that just specialize in getting these major gift givers, these major donors. Um, I'm horrible at asking people for things, especially money, uh, especially even just like, volunteering at our tournaments, I get a little uncomfortable. I feel like I'm, I'm putting them out. You know, I, it's like, Hey, we're having this tournament. I I don't want to completely inconvenience you. I know it's going to take up your whole Saturday. I'm so sorry, but will you help? And they're like, of course I will help. Are you kidding me? Um, and I remember speaking to a, a guy at a nonprofit conference that I was at and he was like the polar opposite of me. And, um, he had started his nonprofit and, uh, And I couldn't believe how much he had raised in just his first year. And he's like, yeah, you know, I raised this much and I only, I only needed to get 20 donors to do it. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? Our average donor is 40 to $45. Mm -hmm. And and he's like, Oh, I'll ask anybody for $5,000. He said it to me like that's a normal thing to do. Like I'll ask anybody, and and speaking more about businesses rather than just you know a family member or something. But like, oh yeah, the, the I walk down to I'll just go down the road and, and go to different businesses because he was a community-based nonprofit and um, helping out the kids in a specific community. He's like. Oh, yeah, I'll ask anybody. And I was not me. I could never do that. Um, so I have two choices. Either I learn how to do that and, and, and get comfortable uh, being uncomfortable in that sense, um, or I find somebody to help me um, with that and be okay with letting mm-hmm. them in. Um, but I can't ignore it. As as uncomfortable as that makes me, I can't ignore it because it's essential to what we're doing. Um, so the same with jujitsu. Maybe you hate takedowns, so and and you're just a guard puller. So either you get better at takedowns, you start going to the judo class, you start going to the wrestling class, mm-hmm. and you and you do that, um, or you know, f- figure out somebody uh, to help, or I don't know, d- design your own game where you completely neutralize takedowns. I don't know how you do that, but. Um, you know, one way or another, you're going to have to face the music. So uh, figuring out, you know, the best way to do that is really important.
1: Nice. So what is the best advice you have received? Not necessarily jujitsu, life, business, anything that comes in your mind.
2: Uh, so the, the mantra that I always live uh, or have tried to live is be the change you wish to see in the world. And that's, I know it's cliche. I'm sure there are like tens of thousands of people with that tattooed Mm -hmm. on their uh, arms or backs or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm certainly not the first one who said that, but you know, that I first heard that phrase back in high school, I went to a Catholic high school and, um, and we had it actually on a t-shirt that we all wore and, you know, you'd be walking around and and everybody would just like read the phrase off of your back and it kind of became a joke. Um, and, and, when I was sitting in those seats at the classy awards, um, be, I was not being the change I wished to see in the world. Mm. And the whole reason I started tap cancer out, or at least the reason why, um, cancer was so important to me. I mean, I've lost a number of family members, um, to cancer, but, um, the one that hit me the hardest was when I lost my, um, Uh, Nephew before his first birthday. He was diagnosed with leukemia at three months old. And I remember the last time um, I saw him, uh, we sort of had to go in and and say our goodbyes. And I remember looking at him, and I hadn't seen him in weeks, if not months, because he just wasn't in a condition to be seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I couldn't believe what I saw. I couldn't believe what cancer had done. I couldn't believe how we were all saying these prayers and we all had hope. And then it's like this little guy had no chance. This disease was so horrible. Um, and I, there was nothing I could do. I was completely helpless. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what am I going to do? Just like walk out of here and just hope it doesn't affect me or anyone else ever. Or am I actually going to do something? Am I actually going to try to make a change? And I don't know what kind of dent will have in the fight against cancer when all is said and done when tap cancer out is over or my life is over mm-hmm. or something i don't know but at least i'm going to try at least i'm going to try to change things mm-hmm. um and i don't I, i'm not under any um false pretenses that i'm going to cure cancer myself or or specifically be a part of that but um i'm going to be some part of that and, mm-hmm. and the whole jiu community is going to be some part of it Um, For sure. So um, that was really powerful. Um, And also just the concept that there's never going to be a perfect time to start. Mm -hmm. Um, So just get started and figure it out along the way. You're going to fail, you're going to fall down. um, But eventually, as long as you just keep getting back up and keep moving forward, you'll get there as long as you keep going to class, you will get to black belt, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how many times you tap, no matter how many times you lose in a tournament, if you keep going, you will get there, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think that's very true um, in, in business as well. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that every business is gonna succeed either, but you will succeed if you keep doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to your younger self when you had the spark in 2010? Let's say you had a chance to just give yourself just one advice, say, hey, John, I know you're starting. you have this idea right now. Let me just tell you this here real quick. Just one thing, what that would be.
2: I would tell myself, uh, to be patient mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's gonna take a while uh, before yeah. this thing actually like materializes into um, something that's bona fide. But um, uh, yeah, but to be patient and and believe in yourself, Um, and don't be afraid to take chances. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, for the most part, I did that. And I think that that was very unlike me. I'm certainly not a risk taker. Even just like starting jujitsu was very risky for me just from, a. um, just how uncomfortable it made me to even walk into a jiu-jitsu school uh-huh. to have to meet all these new people to do this new sport that I knew nothing about. Um, that's not me at all. I'm not the guy that, that, you know, chats up people up at a party. I'm not the guy that walks up and introduces himself to the girl. Like I'm not that, that guy at all. Um, I'm definitely shy and reserved and sort of want everything to go as planned. Um, but with tap cancer out, the, the one thing I try to do every year is do something that you don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, especially with our tournament, I had no idea how to run a tournament. And the first thing I did, like we designed a poster, I designed it myself it was so ugly, but like mm-hmm. whatever, I'll just design it. And we found a venue. Um, so we had a date and a venue and I designed a poster and then I sent them all the posters, to all the schools. I had no competitors. I had no referees. I had nobody to work the event. I didn't know how to work the event. I didn't know how we were going to do brackets. I didn't know anything about this. I, Where was I even going to get mats? Like, I, I didn't know any of this. But I basically said, okay, this is my deadline. This is the date that we're having a tournament. So you mm-hmm. better figure it out. Um, because, again, if I waited till we had all the things in place for me to announce this tournament, like, it would have never happened. You just have to sort of put a goal out there for yourself. Um, and one that you can't dodge and that you can't avoid and that you can't keep delaying and delaying. Um, you have to put it out there and then figure it out along the way. Fast forward to, um, late last year when, when I finally made the decision like, Oh, I'm going to leave my full-time job to do tap cancer out. But in order to do that, Um, we can't have an identical year to 2017, 2018 has to be different. We have to, we have to host twice as many events, at least, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to raise X amount of dollars at least, um, to support a a full-time employee. Um, and the only way we're going to do that is if we go on tour. Um, but we can't go on tour because we don't have a truck or a trailer or anything, Mm -hmm. but whatever, I was just going to figure it out. And I said, okay, this September and October, we're going to go to, um seven cities in eight weeks uh you know we thought of a name and everything and we just sort of um created this site the idea for a tour and uh, then it's up to me to figure it out um so If you want to keep growing personally or if you want whatever you're passionate about entrepreneurially um, to continue to grow, you have to get out of your comfort zone every year. You have to give yourself some sort of goal, something that you don't actually know how to do yet and force yourself to figure it out, uh, you know, along the way. Um, We'd all like to learn another language. But until you plop yourself in a place where you have to know the language because mm-hmm. nobody else knows your language, then you, then you pick it up immediately. It's amazing how babies ever learn how to speak. Um, but, you know, it's, it's when you have to do it that you, you know, you perk up and you figure it out very quickly. Um, so I, I think that's really, really important. You know, getting out of your comfort zone and continually pushing yourself and challenging yourself to do something that's never been done before or that you've never been never done before. at least
1: Absolutely. So, what are you currently excited about? I know that you're excited about this major change in your life, <laughs> yeah. from the corporate world to full time. Anything else that you're super excited about?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited uh, about our our tour that's coming up. So, um, that nugget of an idea uh, that came to me in late uh, 2017 has become a reality. It's the it's that thing that I uncomfortably, uh, that goal that I uncomfortably set for myself, uh, was this concept of the grappling for good tour. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we've hosted 20 tournaments, um, since 2012, but, we've always done it in sort of a hub and spoke model. So we take our whole tournament set up from Connecticut and we drive to Massachusetts, we drive Mm -hmm. to Buffalo, we drive to Philadelphia and then come back. And typically I would do it where I would take a vacation day from the real job on Friday, Mm -hmm. we'd set up, we'd host a tournament on Saturday, come back on Sunday and then I'm back at work on Monday. Um, like nothing ever happened. And Mm -hmm. most people at work didn't even know anything had happened, but, oh, by the way, we just raised another $150,000 this past weekend. Um, you know, at a tournament with 600 competitors and I come back to work and it's like, Hey, where is that presentation that I told you to make last week? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's crazy to have these dual realities, but, um, so we had always done it that way. Um, but in order to have more tournaments and in order to get to a lot of the cities where we had people begging us to come, we had to do it a different way. We would have to actually take it on tour. We would have to go from city to city, weekend to weekend. I wasn't going to be able to do that unless Tap Cancer Out was my full-time gig. Uh And so I made it a point to find a way to make that happen. And we did, um, and on july 1st registration open for all of our grappling for good tour dates so they're they're the same They're tournaments just like all of our other tournaments but um they're going to be in succession so we start in Raleigh, north carolina on september 8th mm-hmm. uh, then we go to uh, new orleans the following weekend then orlando austin then we actually take a weekend off and then we're in st louis chicago and philadelphia all of the cities except for Philadelphia are new markets for us, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, always a, a tough test for us to, you know, go into a new city um, from finding the venue to finding volunteers and referees and all those things. And, and, and those logistical things are still stuff that I'm trying to figure out and I, and I have to figure out within the next um, two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I have faith that we'll figure it out and we'll make it happen. But. Um, You know, it's been a long time coming to get to a lot of these cities um, and to get out of the Northeast for us. And we actually found a way to make it happen. We won a Starbucks, a $25,000 Starbucks grant towards the end of last year, which was this kind of crazy whirlwind video competition that was a month long, but we didn't hear about it until the last week of the competition. And somehow, Um, we were one of the finalists and then we were one of the winners. So, um, that that was, yeah, so that was a $25,000 grant that we won and that helped us, um, get the truck that we need, get the trailer that we needed, um, to take this thing on tour. So, um, in two months, we're going to be going around the country and, and I'm really excited to get to some of these cities that we've never been to before, but I know have, um, some awesome, jiu-jitsu uh schools and an awesome brazilian jiu-jitsu community there that wants to give back and never really had the opportunity to because we were so you know locally based
1: awesome and just to let the listeners know before we wrap up just to remind you after the end of the interview i have my final thoughts so make sure to stick around so now just like to leave a message to the listeners and how they can find out more about you about tap cancer out
2: sure yeah not, not hard to find me uh and tap cancer out if you just go to tap cancer org, um you can find all the information for our tournaments or you can go to grappling for good uh, com, and that will uh, send you directly to the grappling for good uh landing page but if you just go to tap cancer um it's right there we also have a store uh, where you can buy some gear uh, we have t-shirts hoodies uh, gis, of course rash guards all sorts of stuff um, So you can sort of so you can get awesome high-quality jujitsu gear um, mm-hmm. But you know gear that that gives back and we work with uh, the guys at, the guys and girls at inverted gear and manto um, and You know some really great brands that help us um, create a lot of this gear um, That's that's really high quality Um, and to, you know, find us on Instagram, Facebook, all those things, just search for tab cancer out. Um, you can't miss
1: us. Awesome, man. Great interview. Thank you for sharing this with us. Very inspiring. And, And hopefully the listeners, regardless if they are entrepreneurs or not, they think about the possibility of giving back somehow. Doesn't mean that you need to start a nonprofit, you know, but how can you give back in some way? And you found a very unique and amazing way to do so. And congratulations. Stick around for the final thoughts. Thank you, John.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: First, I'd like to say congratulations to John Thomas for this amazing initiative with Tap Cancer Out and to say thanks to you, John, for sharing your amazing story. So John shares some great stuff with us, and hopefully you got a good takeaway from this interview. Personally, my takeaway is the right moment is now. Oftentimes, people don't accomplish their goals, whether they're small or big, because they're waiting for the right moment. As soon as this happens, and then I'll do that. And when that happens, and then I'll go over there. And when the right moment doesn't show up, they end up not even attempting what they want in the first place. There is a very interesting book called Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson. Basically, what he's saying is execute on your vision and keep making adjustments along the way. Once you fire and you have to fire fast, don't wait for the right moment. Then it's aim, 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 and it's the aiming never ends. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever had an idea that you didn't execute earlier or execute at all because you're waiting for the right moment? I'll tell you what, I certainly have done plenty of times in my life, and I'm going to share one personal with you. On June 14th, 2014, after teaching a mental skills training seminar at the Embassy Suites in Tempe, Arizona, I expressed to my public speaking mentor, Joe Weldon, who is in the Hall of Fame of public speaking, that I wanted to share my message my with more people, but not necessarily have to travel for seminars and so forth. So I had the idea to turn my seminar called Inner Discovery for Outer Success into a four-disc DVD set. Remember, we're talking about 2014. I told Joe, Joe, I want to record my DVD, but I want to do this course after I'm done with this course, and then I'm going to do it. And he said, stop. Gustavo, you're a perfectionist. No matter what you do, you'll never be a 10 in your scale. So do this. Do the best you can with what you have right now. Record... Make this product that's maybe a 7 in your scale. Get it out and eventually you make the 2.0 version and maybe it's an 8 in your scale and so on. So basically what he is saying was ready, fire, aim. I reflected and I realized, man, I am the problem and I am the solution. I was the only person who was holding me back from moving on with this project because I was waiting for the right moment. Have you ever felt like that before? If you did, there's nothing wrong with you. On Monday morning, I woke up and executed my idea. I contacted the hotel, reserved the spot on July 26, 2014 to record the DVD set, and I made a public announcement on my website, thebjgym.coach.com, basically inviting 20 people who have never been in one of my seminars before to attend for free with buffet included. And I created an application process on a website, and I chose 20 people to attend. By the way, I was not ready yet because this was going to be a longer format than my regular seminar, but I fired and kept aiming and started to develop the the whole program. The recording went great with a total of three and a half hour of content, and now Inner you know, Discover for Success became an online course helping thousands of competitors all over the world to perform to the best of their abilities on and off the mat. And I have to say a personal note here. After my school, Jiri Jiu-Jitsu Academy, this project that started from Ready, Fire, Aim became the second most meaningful accomplishment in my professional life because, man, it was extremely hard. Public speaking is not easy, especially when English is your second language. And I put a lot of effort to deliver a great product. And by the way... I'm not trying to impress anyone with my accomplishments. Look at this. I have DVDs. I have books. (laughs) I'm so awesome. It's just to convey to you that when you use this ready, fire, aim method and you don't wait for the right moment with time and dedication, you can accomplish very meaningful goals in your life. Now, I want you to be brutally honest with yourself, okay? What idea would you like to execute on, but you keep waiting for the right moment, an idea that you could implement the ready-fire-aim approach and, of course, you keep aiming, because John didn't know anything about tournaments before, but he fired and he has been aiming since. So today, make a decision to execute on the idea that you've been waiting for the right moment for so long and reflect on what is really preventing you from achieving the outcome that you desire. Reflect, take responsibility on your actions or lack of And you realize that the person who's holding you back the most in your life, it's right in front of your mirror. The right moment is now. Ready, fire, aim and keep aiming.